0: From Doghouse Music in Lafayette, Colorado, this is the Rocky Mountain Mixdown.
1: Rocky Mountain Mixdown.
2: We're, we're talking music in your hometown. Other
3: places do welcome. Welcome. All are welcome here. Rocky Mountain Mixdown.
2: Yeah.
0: I'm this week's host, Cody Crawford. Today, we will be talking with John, Ken, and Liz of Doghouse. Let's get to it. Is that it? Did we, yeah, That's yeah. what we're
1: going with? Yeah. <laughs> I like it.
3: I like, I like it. it. I like yeah. it. I yeah. like it. it.
1: Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
3: we did it. We named yes. it on the show. Naming anything is the hardest thing to do.
0: It's the worst, right? Because yeah. then you're stuck with it for however long that project goes
3: unless you're a band and then you can change it in a couple months
0: yeah it's well i mean (laughs) unless you get a following and then you have to convince your following to follow the new name i know i swear man the same back when i was playing music the same group of people had six different names Mm -hmm. same band same lineup playing the same songs like "Ah, that name's not quite right let's change it like (laughs) all right let's change it again like it's not working so john yo so you're basically born into music. Yeah. And like from, from like day one in the womb, you've got your mom putting you next to the speaker listening to Bach and Beethoven and the Beatles. Uh-huh. Um, all at the same time? Or? Yeah. All, <laughs>
1: she invented the mashup.
0: Yeah. <laughs> DJ mom bringing it in strong.
2: My grandma actually argued with her one time because my mom wanted to play me George Winston. And my grandma didn't think that that was good enough.
3: Wait, while you were while you were in the womb?
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. So with, with good enough, is she saying that like it does not have a a caliber of quality?
2: Yeah. Well, I, I think she just didn't she didn't realize that it was like you know nice solo piano music. She just didn't know. She was like, it has to be the classical, tried and true, the
3: formula. So imagine if like somebody snuck some acid jazz in, you'd be a completely different person. Yeah, probably.
1: <laughs> really, really anxious. Because
2: yeah. <laughs> right. 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 everyone knows how laid back I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but now I'm curious as to what what Beatles album made the cut. You know, was it nice soft Abbey Road, or were you like were we going for some Revolver? Like? Yeah.
2: Oh, my dad loves Revolver. Actually, the anthology was the one, and I I remember after I was born, of course. Listening to it by choice, I would put it on, and I thought that those were the recordings of the Beatles. Like that was how they sounded. That was what made them super famous and great. You know, like all the takes of them, like laughing and messing it up. I was like, "Wow, this is awesome! Music is so cool!" And then I heard like a fully produced version of one of the songs, and I was like, "Who? Who's this? You know? Like, are you kidding me? That's that's the Beatles." I'm like, "What? It doesn't sound anything like the Beatles."
0: You're not making any references to Fats Domino or Chuck (laughs) (laughs) Berry. Yeah, what
3: what is this? (laughs) George Martin in the room, George Martin out of the room. That's a big difference.
0: So that obsession with George Martin and wanting to be George Martin led you to to being a producer or?
3: I suppose that is kind of
2: the first instance of like a before and after production thing for me. No, really the uh, production side of things started in high school. Uh, I was like the theater soundboard kid you know
1: a classic start
0: i knew that kid well
2: yeah right he had the keys to the rafters you know you could go you could go hang out up in the
3: yeah or in the green room or whatever yeah you know? <laughs> wait 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 your high school theater had a green room
0: yeah you didn't
1: Wow. course no, did.
0: i mean it was also doubled as the costume room yes yeah.
1: Oh. yes it okay, was okay. yeah. also yeah. doubled as the costume okay. which
0: was also it was the easiest lock to pick in the entire school like you could jimmy that door open so easy you picked locks I mean it was high school. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, there were two two things I knew how to break into. One was the costume room and the other was my buddy's truck. Because he always locked his keys in his truck, like every day. And so he'd come get me out of class to go break that into his key. truck. Yeah, it was yeah.
2: That's a real homie right there.
0: You know, I mean, between that and the dice games we had in the bathroom, like we did all right. You yeah. Know? We did all right in high school. So there you are. You're in high school.
2: Oh yeah. You're uh, the
0: you're the you're the board guy.
2: Um yeah. I and I'd like I started a band in middle school with a bunch of buddies there was like six of us and our one song consisted of just like yeah 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 and what, that was, was it. what was the
0: name of the band we went yeah, through yeah, a yeah, lot yes. of different names um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. already
2: taken unfortunately Hi. Hi. the one that we landed on after like trying things like the rectangle squares and the square rectangles because those are the things we learn about in middle school like oh wow let's try and invert that so that we're really cool and ironic um, we landed on the jam squad for a long time. The
3: jam squad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you know you were going to end up in Colorado? <laughs>
2: no, I, I think we, th- we were, we were big picture. We were thinking world tours, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, opening up for fish and. Yeah. yeah.
2: But that like six piece band shrank to a three piece in high school. And that was when we went into the studio for the first time ever groove. Oh, wow. Um, to record a song my parents were like yeah we'll pay for it you know all the parents of the band members they were like wait so it'd be a great experience you know and um I was just kind of blown away by the other side of the glass it was like oh my god this is why everything sounds the way it does and there's so much to do uh and I eventually I got an internship with uh Evergroove up there uh and Brad just kind of continued to blow my mind with like all the little subtle things and tried to explain compression to me <laughs> um he he had a great explanation for it but i just didn't have the brain for it yet did you ever get compression yeah okay yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yep good. yep right. it did take it took a few years though <laughs> to like fully grasp it um yeah so that was that was definitely the introduction to like production and recording and uh, just hearing how he made our song sound better than it already w- was, so to speak, you know.
0: So, would you would you consider yourself a musician first or a producer first?
2: A musician first, I, I would say. Yeah, that, that definitely was the way it all starts.
0: <laughs> when you're producing, dear, you are you listening from the perspective of a musician, are you listening from the perspective of an engineer? Where do you kind of skew to your style?
2: I'd say, when I'm out there placing mics, it's all engineer. Uh, you know, I'm like not. I don't even hear if what the chord is or what the note is i don't i don't hear anything but like the tone um and so i'll like walk around or move my head around and look like a crazy person <laughs> you know uh but then place the mic and then once i'm back in the control room it does become much more musical and production oriented it's sometimes a challenge if i hear something that the band really doesn't hear you know it can be a challenge to be like hey just humor me on this one and if it doesn't work you know but try that chord or whatever um and i'll like love it but then the band's like no you just gotta kind of sometimes swallow that but um yeah it becomes much more musical after everything is placed and i can relax and be like okay the sounds are coming in everything sounds as it
0: should (laughs) i think that's i think you touched on something it's got to be one of the hardest things of being a producer i would imagine is that balance between what the band wants And what you think is best, because ultimately like your name is attached to it. You didn't necessarily write the chord progression. You didn't write the lyrics, but your influence is there and your fingerprints are all over it. So how do you balance out what is the right time to push and, you know, when is it your job to just, you know, get it recorded and make the sound quality good?
2: Yeah. I will always try at least three times, you know, to, um, impart, something that I think is important and sometimes it's a very diplomatic thing trying to like I guess uh, you know what's that movie about about the dreams inception yeah. <laughs> trying to plant the seed and make it make them think you know oh i had that idea that that can be a challenge
1: i have seen you try to do that before <laughs> yeah. sometimes it does work sometimes yeah. it does yeah.
2: you know then other times it's like the band wants what they want you only have so much control and then you have to kind of dive into that you have to fall into like okay this is not ideal but what can i do with that and sometimes that helps push the creativity in a different direction
3: you know we were talking about this last night actually yeah uh you know john was recording a band and you know he kept making subtle recommendations like oh you liked it this way last time how about we do that again and the band just like no <laughs> Uh it' <laughs> go, okay, well, and just w- with the base of of what was what was happening, you know, later when I would come in and hear the bass track being recorded over, I'm like, this is really good. This is really chill. Like I could see this being background music to just about anything I'm doing in my day, which is fantastic. And, I think that was a huge difference from what you were expecting when you first were recording this band of like okay what am i walking into
2: well yeah it's all about like sound isolation and you know do you let it bleed or do you not let it bleed and uh, i always want to start from a place of perfectly isolated sounds unless of course you know it kind of depends it's, it's always nice to be able to like sit down with the band beforehand and like maybe sit in on a practice and really get some ideas around that because sometimes a band is like super tight and you want them in the same space you want to let it bleed but then other times it's like well no we kind of we're going to need to structure this like we want to start with everything isolated and build upon each element that also just gives you a lot more freedom when you're mixing you know um
0: was that ideology that concept is that part of your your education because i know you went to boston went to school did the full thing learned how to actually do this for real instead of just hanging out with your high school band right. being blown away like you actually dove in and put time into study
2: yeah that that was a an eye opening experience in a lot of ways I, I mean i suppose college always is it was a very non-traditional experience like the campus uh berkeley is just right on the street <laughs> and you know there's not a lot of like protections in place for students and you know not to
1: like you're in boston
2: yeah you are just like right in the heart of it and um you know and then it's just like such an intense amount of focus and study on these things that are really granular yeah it definitely has shaped my entire approach to music both the theory and the soul of it
0: well even down to your operating procedures where like you know we're breaking down after recording somebody like mic stands have to be lined up perfectly, (laughs) and the cables have to be rolled up perfectly. Yep,
2: and they better be tightened. I don't want to, like, pick up a mic stand and have the, like, neck go
0: extending on me. I learned that lesson, yeah, the first time we we broke stuff down together. (laughs) Never make that mistake again. Yeah. But I think, like, that's just a great example. Like, even details like that, just the way you clean up and put away shows how much attention you're paying to every little detail of what you're doing. And that translates into the sound room as well. Like, you are clearly paying attention to every note, to every moment, just making sure that every granular level is being covered. And I wonder like at times, does that like make you feel a little crazy? Like when you're, when you're trying to, <laughs> okay, that's the answer to that question. But yeah. Like, especially when you, you know, when you're, when you're playing with somebody who maybe. You know, you're working with somebody who might be like a little more fast and loose in their approach to music or their approach to music theory. How do you shut that off?
2: Yeah. Um, well, you don't. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, a you know, you, the dam broke.
1: You can't unsee it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But there is a magic to that kind of collaboration, like of people of many different levels of understanding of music and of microphone theory coming together and working on something. You know, it kind of puts a box around the amount of creativity. And that can be really good for creativity, you know, structure. And even if that structure is like a limitation that is caused by multiple levels of understanding, that can be a nice thing. So don't look the gift horse in the mouth and realize this is what it is. These are the sounds. And how can I highlight them as they are and not try to like force anything? I do think
3: that live streaming definitely defined that when we got into live streaming because it was it was like there's so much that we can curate but at the same time so many things can go wrong uh and it could be something as simple as a mic getting unplugged to uh the guy like kicking up the rug behind him (laughs) you know and he's like i don't know how to stand on this thing beer everywhere (laughs) yeah beer yeah beer just every yeah or like mid live stream the you know the man's like oh i'm just gonna go grab a beer
2: well, your fans are waiting.
3: <laughs> they're just going to talk about meth gators for five minutes.
0: That was great, though. That was great. We
2: have to be honest. That, that was, was great.
0: great. I think the point you were making about the studio. There's a there's a great story about how um, when Nirvana was recording uh, Nevermind, and they're doing Smells Like Teen Spirit, and um, I forget who the producer was on the album, but he was talking about how like he kept you know asking Kurt to do the vocal track, and he wanted to layer it to like really punch it. And he just wouldn't do it. He's like, no, it's fine. Like, just, I don't want to do that. Yeah. But he's saying it the same way every time. So the producer just like, just layered it over anyway, because <laughs> yeah. he was doing the exact same thing and then presented him with that package afterwards. He yeah. was like, listen, you know, listen to it. And he's like, oh, it sounds great. I love it. And he's like, yeah, that's literally what I said to do. <laughs> yeah. I just did it because you wouldn't listen. Yeah. And do you ever find yourself, you know, kind of in that space where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to do two versions. I'm going to do the version they asked me to do. And I'm gonna do the version that I think is you know the producer cut if you will.
2: yeah, yeah. there was a trick that uh, I was taught at Berkeley was uh, mitch. he He said, you know, the um, the artist is gonna ask for the vocal to be turned up. So what you do is you mix it to the level that you dig it, <laughs> and you get that vocal right where it needs to be. And then you bring the vocal down twice, and you print those versions of the song. And you send, you know, rough mix, engineer mix, uh, vocal up mix. And that's the one that, you you know, you really want them to like. So, yeah, that, that is definitely a part of it. But, you know, not that I'm trying to dupe anybody, but it really is just for the uh, best, you know, whatever's best for the project. Uh, yeah, live streaming definitely helped me. Well, I don't know if relax is the right word, Um, but it helped me accept more and allow things to be more, you know?
0: Sometimes the flaws are what make it great. You know, back to what you were talking about with anthology versus listening to an actual album. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that's the way you want to hear it, you know? Right. So you're in Boston, you finish school, you are a young producer with a ton of music theory and production knowledge in your back pocket. You're setting out into the world. Uh, you're producing bands in Boston. You're working at Berkeley, right? Right. So, how do you go from there to Doghouse Music Studio, Lafayette, Colorado?
2: Good question. I don't know. So, Boston number one. Everybody leaves. You you start out with four years of like really close friendship, and then they're like, "Oh, I'm going to L.A." I'm like what? Oh, I'm going to New York. Oh, God, Nashville, you know, everybody just leaves. And then first, like, you know, the social group disappears. And then it's like you don't want to be the 25-year-old at the basement party anymore, you know, because, like, there's a huge underground show scene in, like, Alston and surrounding areas where... There's like a circuit, really, of houses that there's lots of live music, but um, it's really tight-knit. It's pretty closed. And yeah, there's a lot of that. Uh, the music scene is is kind of um, not very accepting. You really have to like worm your way in and then fit into kind of an idea, um, which I suppose is almost anywhere. But like coming back here to Denver and even in the festival that we did, the amount of genres that uh, presented themselves over two weeks was vast and wide and yeah and that that is so cool but i was working at the school as like tech support um so thanks for calling tech support this is john you know it's like oh hey the mixer isn't working is like oh did you did you try turning it on like i don't know so then you you go into the room and you, you know you fix the problem and then you leave and it was just like i felt like a cog in a really big machine and not like a very well respected cog either you know they didn't give me oil and
0: I think a lot of people feel that way in life.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so even though I was like still producing music on the weekends or at night, you know, it was still kind of that like nine to five grind of something that wasn't really in the direction I was trying to head. And to come back here, I was looking for something to be a part of that I could, you know, kind of grow with. And, uh, Kenny and Liz were here it took a second to find the opportunity. Of course, you know, it was a lot of emailing and a lot of walking around shaking hands when I could now it would be bumping elbows, but it was great. I sent an email, I think with like my resume and a cover letter and, you know, some experience and all that. And didn't hear back, but then I got a phone call from Kenny and it's like, Hey, why don't you come in? You know, we'll, we'll chew the cud. Uh, we'll look around the studio and, um, I was excited and nervous because, you know, sometimes you do send an email and a resume and just no response, no, nothing comes out. And he's just like, we've been busy, you know, we just bought the place. It's been a little crazy, but we'd love it if you came by. So I did. And I, I saw the space, I saw the new boards, and I just saw like this drive in Kenny and Liz that was, to me, is like, okay, this is the ground floor. Uh, and it was already such a beautiful space, but I could see that there was this like hunger to make it something really incredible. So I got super excited. I started as an intern and-
1: Which now seems hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Like I should have been your intern. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
3: That's That's the way the cookie crumbles. We are Doghouse Music Studios. We give musicians the freedom to create, the power to perform, and the space to come together. Are you a musician looking for your playground? Check us out online at www.doghousemusic.com on social media, or call
0: us to schedule a tour. That leads to a really good point, talking about the ground floor and kind of, you know, the the start of Doghouse as to what it is now. I guess at this point, I'd want to talk to, to Ken and Liz about, like, so you you guys get here, you find this opportunity, you've got this rehearsal space that's been around you know, it's established, been around for a while. Everybody knows it. He's selling it, retiring. You guys step in. And what is it like day one? Oh, it depends <laughs> on what your definition of day one is. I mean, the the first day one, the second day one, the third day one. Because, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's been like, you know, it's nothing but transition since you guys <laughs> yeah. kind of bought the place. So, Because, oh,
3: like, the real day one was when I walked through these halls and then got super excited and made Liz walk through these halls. And then we, we both start getting excited. So like, that was like the inception. Cause I remember seeing the building for sale, like months before we did anything. And I was like, "Ah, wouldn't that be crazy and stupid if we owned a building?
1: And just say, what had you been looking for? Why were you looking at real estate?
0: Yeah. That's the other thing is like, there was, I I remember this period of time. Cause like, you know, Ken, you and I have been friends for about 10 years. Um, Liz, we've been friends for what? Five? Doesn't seem possible, but like, you know, I think about you guys, like, you know, who I knew before Doghouse, Mm -hmm. you know, Ken Vasco, the jet setting, traveling all around the country, explaining tax software to people. And Mm -hmm. by night, the, you know, karaoke champion of Hoboken, New Jersey. (laughs)
1: Like (laughs) Like East Coast born and bred. Right.
0: Like, I mean, never been on a hike that I know (laughs) of. No.
3: Well, well, my definition of a like hike water was water to go water. like another 10 blocks to like the good bagel place. Cause that's a hike. <laughs> yes, it better be worth it. It better, there better not be a line.
0: We're, we're going to go out for hours tonight. We're going to go from this bar to this bar to yeah. this bar. And that's going to be the exercise that we get. Right, exactly. Then you meet Liz and I, I start hearing about this girl in Colorado who's amazing. She's so smart. She's so funny. And she's a rugby player. You know, she kicks everybody's ass in rugby. <laughs> then, then I meet her. And of course she is all these things and more. And then, yeah, I know. Like you're, you're, you're kind of done with with the corporate world. You're looking for something else. And the next thing I know, is like, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna buy a music studio. <laughs> yeah,
3: why not? Why the hell not? Yeah. Yeah. Let's have more people tell us we're crazy, but because you know we had a, I mean, but by, by the time Liz and I had started dating, we just started doing some crazy, incrementally crazy things.
1: Yeah, um, we would move across the country at the drop of a hat. And- yeah. <laughs>
3: Yeah, we just decided to do a lot of weird stuff together.
1: Yes. We fly by the seats of our pants. And,
3: you know, and then I would tell that to my family. And my family's like, oh, is it's, and you like that? That's yeah. That makes you happy? <laughs> and I had to go, yeah. yeah. Um, and this was kind of no different when uh, when we had the opportunity to, to say, you know what? Like, maybe I don't need to be a tax accountant for the rest of my life. And. Um, and, uh, and Liz doesn't have to, um, be at the will of, of government organizations for the rest of her life. (laughs) Uh, and, and that we can make something for ourselves. And, and then that started like a six month battle for the building because by the time we got involved, it was already under contract, uh, to be demolished. And so that was like, I guess that was the second day one. (laughs) was when we were like oh yeah let's do this and then somebody's saying oh no you can't do this uh and um and i credit liz to she's basically saying we don't have to let this dream die you know like like we have this opportunity to to have a business that we both feel that we're gonna really enjoy being around for a long time and it's it's worth fighting for and then that got our resolve to reach out to the people who were looking to demolish the building, who were very, very nice people, uh, very chill people. And uh, we were able to convince them that the building should be. And I guess that was like the next day one was when we actually owned the building.
1: Yes. When it felt like we really, that sort of year long, almost year long fight to either buy the building or we, I mean, we were drawing up plans to build a new studio somewhere else and i was meeting with the city and but then when we finally got settled it's like now this is real day one like how do you run a music studio
0: right so looking at it looking at it from from real day one yes the real day one yeah you've got a building yep you've got how many rooms 23 23 rooms you got how many bands i don't even know right
1: <laughs> 20, I
0: mean, it depends on the day.
1: Yeah, it depends on the day. Who's mad at who? No. About 20
0: vans. Yeah. So then you you start looking around. You're looking at the lights. You're looking at the sound equipment. You're looking at everything that is here. And you decide to start making it your own, making improvements. We'll just take the end as an example. If you look at the end of the the setup that it was the first time I came in here, it's perfectly fine. You know, perfectly fine. And then you come in now, and it's like, this is so much better. I don't know. You can can definitely see all the hard work and and time and and thought that's been put in making this place what you want it to be. I think it's really cool just to to even look at what, you know, like, Liz, what you've been doing on the branding and the marketing. It's kind of bringing – even bringing Babs into it, right? Like making it so personal and and so familial. It comes across that this is not just a – you know, crazy business dream that you guys invested in. Like, this is family for you. This is real. Um, Your heart and souls are in it. And I think that just comes across in everything. Even we've kind of talked about the mission statement. It just screams how much you care. It's not just people filling up the studios, but like what they're able to do. How did the mission statement come about?
1: I think that it started with the feeling we wanted people to have when they come through the door. From my perspective, when we took over Doghouse, one big thing I noticed that I wanted to change was I really wanted people to feel invited into this space. Like, I think music studios can be super intimidating. I mean, the music industry can be super intimidating. And I think one thing we really felt like we could offer is come through our doors. You're in our space. We're hosting you. This is our home. This is our family. And we wanted to feel that way. And I think that's where... You know, we really decided we want to be mission-driven and not, you know, because a lot of opportunities sort of started coming our way when people, you know, heard, oh, Doghouse is staying, Doghouse is here, we want to talk to these people. I think everyone had some idea of what we should do. Oh, you should God. do this, yeah. you should do that. And yeah. and it felt like, how do we want to drive the studio? You know, we don't want to react to everything. We really want to be pushing from a place of, this is what we want to offer and and make our own. So you know, we all sat down one day and, and I said to everyone, let's make a mission for Doghouse so that we know we're always staying true to what we're trying to do. Oh.
3: And like an yeah. hour and a half later, I think that's what came out.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we sort of finally whittled it down. and
2: yeah. Did that happen during isolation? or what? That was before, right?
1: Uh, We f- started talking about it in maybe late winter. I think we really pounded out the final version right before...
0: Everything shut down. Yes. Yeah. 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 Somewhere around there. I don't know. It seems like everything you guys do really leans strongly into the mission mm-hmm. and statement. You know, this being a playground. Yeah. And it does have that feel. I think we've all been in music studios in various places, and like, I remember when I was playing in New York, and I would know, go into a rehearsal space. You walk through the door, and you automatically get that that look. You know, of like, what are you doing here?
1: Yeah, don't break anything. <laughs> don't break anything.
0: Like, are you any good? Did you touch yes. my amp? Yeah. That's not your cable. Don't touch that cable. You know, like, it, it's off-putting and intimidating in a way that I think can often kind of stymie your creativity. When you want to get into a spot and just just jam out and just try to find find the sound you're looking for, or find the, the right note, or, or find the lyric, um, it can be really difficult to do that. And I feel like, you know, every time I've been here... I'm always seeing friendly welcoming creative flow like even you know working on um, on some of the live streams you know the even the bands that are coming in like we end up hanging out for a while and just like just geeking out on music you know and talking about like bands that we love or, or albums that we love or something that somebody did during their set They're like oh man I loved I loved what you did like on this you know this one particular lick I thought that was really cool or like you yeah, know I really enjoyed what you did you know, the vocals here, um, it definitely has that feel. You get the impression that if, you know, if you walked up to pretty much anybody in the studio and said, hey, I've got this thing I want to try, they'd be like, yeah, all right, let's do it. You know, let's let's try it, let's play.
3: Yeah, the uh, yeah, the, the cross-pollination is, is, and I actually equate it back to doing, like when I was in a band in high school and then in a band again in college, and uh, there was just so much pressure that we put on ourselves to make the next big thing or to like, you know, when you're like 16, you're like, oh yeah, we're going to make it big or we have these dreams. And really it wasn't until, um, you know, like you mentioned, like we were just doing karaoke every Wednesday night at a bar in Hoboken. And I'm like, you know, if I think back to that, I I feel like that's when my my emotions around music really violently changed from, you have to reach this apex to know this is this is a it's it's a blue ocean like it's anyone can do music any anyone can sing anyone can play anyone uh can be in a production room uh and that really is the the foundation of the the mission anybody can sing karaoke they just need to take that step to hold a microphone and do it and it doesn't matter how bad. you think you sound your first time? You, the fact that you've done it, the fact that, that you take a step in the room puts you ahead of so many other people that, that haven't taken that step. And I want this to be a building where more people will take that step into the building and say, what is this? And how can I be a part of it?
0: You've said many times like music incubator, that the term is, is I've heard it in many of our conversations you know, launch pad, you know, various other things like that. And I think that's a concept that you don't find everywhere that the people who own the building that you're coming into and, you know, and and paying rent on or whatever else want to actually help you find your way, you know, and help you put your art out into the world, whatever that may be. I think the live streams is a great example of that. Here we are, it's COVID. You can't play a show because there's no venue to play at and you can't responsibly like, do a ground root style and just like throw a basement show or do something in your backyard or you know, a house party or whatever (laughs) you've got people who want to create and get it out into the world. They don't have an avenue for that. So you guys come up with live streaming.
3: Well, and I think that that was kind of, you know, we had the, that seed planted in our head. And then when we, we were, we were able to open back up in May, like, we just ran as hard as we possibly could for like three months.
1: Yeah. yeah as many bands as possible, as many, as many band- shows as possible. Yeah.
3: Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did fourteen bands in a weekend. And, well, we streamed them in a weekend, but yeah.
1: we-, we recorded them in about two weeks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> for the, uh, who wants the cheat codes? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. We did record one band Saturday night, though. Yeah. Right. You know, of the festival, yeah. the two-day festival, yeah.
3: So, I mean, it's pretty much just around the clock. I mean, that whole period was just an open vessel because, like, at the same time, we were doing a Black Lives Matter uh, benefit. We're donating studio time to, what, like, six other bands who wanted to do uh, a streaming and, and recording interviews. and interviews. Yeah. And we had a lot of irons in the fire, and we we just wanted everyone to be in this building again. You know, like, sure. that's, that's when we feel the best is when our parking lot is full and and everybody's doing stuff.
1: And the halls are loud.
3: And the halls are loud, yeah. When everybody's over at the house.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. over.
3: Yeah. But it, I mean, we definitely did not invent live streaming. It's just more so of like it's something that everyone else was catching on to and we're like, you know what? You know, we we could we could do something that we
0: would be proud of.
1: And that really started just with you saying, what's the cheapest camera I can buy that'll do the job? And we truly started from a place of this isn't fancy, this isn't perfect, but it's something.
0: Yeah. I think that ties into the, you know, the DIY nature of of music. And you know, you can you can have an extremely polished presentation and that is great. That's awesome. You know, and then I, I think about like minor threat. I challenge you to find a better punk band. You know, yeah, like know. seriously, there is no production value there. Like, you know, it's a bunch of kids recording on a you know a tape recorder essentially, right. and putting together great music. You know, and then you know to this day, Discord is still around. Like, Fugazi on the heels of that, that again eschewing that whole like idea that we need you know the most expensive equipment to make music. Like, you know, it's like when you're a kid and you get your first guitar. I remember mine, like, and I still have it. I love that guitar. You know, I still play it. It is not a great guitar, (laughs) you know, but like, it's the one you love. And so when you're finding your way, I think it's, you know, use the tools that you, that you have. And then, you know, if you can, if you reach a point where, you know, it feels like it's time to step up and, and then you do, um, speaking of stepping up, you know, we're sitting in the, the studio right now that was a rehearsal room at one point. Studio Z, oh Studio Z, Studio Z for Americans. Yeah, right. For all you
3: Canadians out there, well, I mean, that was one of the harder decisions that that we start making is, um, you know, when a when a room would vacate, like, would we just rent it back out to get the you know to uh, to get the the membership fees, or can we do something more with it that uh, that that people will benefit from, you know, in the building.
1: And that's a real balance that we think about a lot is, you know, these rehearsal spaces and places where bands can have their own studios are so important and sort of rare. So we want to keep, we really want to keep that going, but also how are we growing the studio and and how can we add more?
3: Right. Exactly. Like if we had infinite square feet, then we would just add on. Just, yeah, exactly. And part, and part of that
2: is definitely, I, I, I'm like, hey, you know, you could cool. turn this into. <laughs> right.
0: That kind of leads into the, you know, kind of the future of Doghouse. Like, what what's next? I mean, I know every day is a new, new adventure. And I know there's been so much change over this period of time. What is everybody daydreaming about for the next six months, the next year?
2: Oh, we definitely dream big. Um, Which is great. I personally, again, just going back to like what this place is and means to me is like, there's a lot of respect for each other, uh, that's fostered and we like to listen to each other and we like to find where our dreams coalesce. Um, and I think it's been great, like putting this control room together and just like learning more about acoustics and, uh what's possible uh, even in an almost square room it ends up sounding really great and um yeah the future i think is just more collaboration more ideas and then you know just trying and going you know going forward
1: yeah i mean i think with this room we have a potential vocal isolation space we're working on so i think just making our recordings a bit more of a highlight of the space especially with John I mean yeah. that's a huge <laughs> there's just like endless opportunity in that direction um, and I think with live streaming too I think it's it's here and you know I think almost anything we do from here it's going to include a live piece yeah. and really getting that live experience out to as many people as we can to say if you can't join us here in our space you know come watch
3: yeah, I, I dream of the day when when we don't have to wear masks like this and you know, uh, you know COVID's over and stuff and, and we want especially in the end, uh, in the end studio, we, we want people to be we want people packing that place. You know, we, yes. we had a couple of shows right before COVID hit we would sell out. Uh, you know, bands like Ramachandra and, and Background Velvet and 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 we we love that feeling. And we, we realized that we had something special in that, in that studio and we want as many people as possible to be in it. So uh, I, I dream of the day when we can turn that back into an intimate venue and, and also have a streaming component, a re- recording component you know, to be uh, all things for all people, whether you're a musician, or a producer, or a fan, uh, or just someone that, that wants to get inside look of, of how music happens in the Front Range and, and in Colorado.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that, you know, so far our our sort of tier one goal was how do we get every musician on the front range feeling like Doghouse can be their home, can be their hub. And now it's sort of, you know, how can we also just be a community space? Like we love being in Lafayette. Lafayette is such a tight community that really supports the arts, especially music. Um, And there's a long history of that here. And I think you know, we really want people to know about Doghouse that they can stop by, they can see what the concert lineup's going to be. That it's a place, you know, that they could walk or bike to from their house and just say, "I'm going to see a show." Mm-hmm. Maybe hit up a food truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and feel like this is a hub in the community um, where you know you're going to see your friends and hear some good music.
0: Mm-hmm. So, hearing good music. My favorite question, John. What are you listening to this week?
2: This week, um, I've been listening to uh, a lot of Lion Tortoise. Um, <laughs> they're uh, they're the uh, local kind of Prague f- fusion jazz uh, metal band.
3: <laughs> just name all the genres.
2: <laughs> yeah, right. I'll just keep going. But really, they, they it's kind of amazing the way they blend those uh, harmoniously. But we're working on their... Upcoming record here, and I am lucky enough to be engineering the drums, uh, some vocals. We did a saxophone, piano. It's really been a, a pleasure.
1: Vibra slap.
2: Vibra slap. Yeah, we got we got some sick triangle.
1: That's
2: not even a joke. Yeah, um, I didn't think the triangle. I, I don't know. I never thought the triangle could add so much, but uh, it really does. Outside of that, uh, I've been listening to a lot of deer hoof actually. I just, yeah, I don't know uh, what it is, but I adore Deer Hoof. I, I went through, like, uh, I recently extended my uh, driving time to the studio, and I just, I have gone through their entire catalog maybe twice uh, in the last, like, month, so.
0: Liz, what do you listen to this week?
1: I've been listening to a lot of Punch Brothers this week, and, you know, I keep thinking of you, John, just the way they record and that sort of that hushed feeling that you get a lot in their music. It's so interesting. And I never would have thought of that, I think, before. And now I'm like, well, I wonder how they recorded that. Um, yes. Plus, I just love Chris Teeley so much.
3: <laughs> Mad genius. Yes. I have been – so I was on a road trip recently. So I – actually, it was, it was a little bit of everything. We went through several hours of – Lately, what I've been doing is taking a song by Rival Sons and then just making a Spotify radio off of that. Um, I've loved Rival Sons for years. Uh, the vocalist is amazing. And uh, it's just like a nice country blues, like rock uh, vibe. And Americana. every Americana, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then that you know usually dives into Black Keys or, or some other classic rock. Yeah. Uh, um, and then we would go violently back and forth between that and uh like anderson pack uh mac miller thundercat um and uh uh even some old older school hip-hop like uh, tribe um yeah we were kind of all over the map this past week uh listening um but when i put on the car, you know, put on the car radio, uh, or, you know, put on Spotify. Uh, I think the one that comes up the most, there's a, there's a hip hop artist named Psalm one, uh, that, uh, I just started diving into, uh, I think she's based in Detroit. So that's probably what I'm going to be listening to for the next week more so.
2: How about you,
0: Cody? I've been rotating between Sleaford mods. Um, wait, what's that? (laughs) <laughs> it's this uh this duo uh it's a british duo um they have like very uh it's like an edm thing um it's basically like working class anger so they're a lot like of like galway or... yeah kind of like they they you know <laughs> basically hate everything the government's doing um so that's uh really entertaining and fun sounds pertinent to yeah. yeah yeah okay to, times. Uh, to the it's times a, yeah <laughs> it's been a mix of that and uh sturgill simpson's uh new album cut and grass where uh he did all the bluegrass covers of uh, of his own music, um, which is pretty fantastic. The other night, I uh, I got some new vinyl in, and, and um, I listened to uh, Dreams by uh, uh, Gabor Shabo. This is 1968. It's jazz record. It is like it's like nothing I've ever listened to. It's insane. It was great. I just laid on the floor and listened to vinyl for you know <laughs> an hour and a half. Yeah, it's a great record, man. I definitely recommend it if you wanna if you wanna listen to some uh, some incredible guitar playing that uh, that end up. You know, uh, Carlos Santana took a lot of his influence uh, from Jabo. And um, even covers some of his stuff in his live shows. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was trippy. It was great.
2: Speaking of uh, jazz and Chris Thiele, um have you heard the record he made with Brad Meldow? No. It's wild. I, I, I recommend it, yeah. It, it, he's a, he's an amazing musician. He's, <laughs> like, really versatile. It made me think it was funny. It was like...
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rocky Mountain Mixdown. For more information on any of the topics we discussed this week, look us up online at doghousemusic.com or your favorite social media platform.